here comes Milwaukee. Forbes another three. Oh no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Welcome to the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. You heard it in the intro. I'm your host, LJ Cascon. I am back from a two-week hiatus. I am joined by the father of the basement hot take, Harrison. Welcome on. And of course, the thunder from down under. I'll never miss an opportunity to use the accent. My boy, George, he had some load has some load management going on, but he's back. He's feeling better, too. And uh, the Miami Heat lost their most recent game on a buzzer beater by Josh ripping out our hearts. And the Heat are now four and seven. So just to jump right into it, let me ask the panel, are the Heat in trouble? They had their best overall distributed team scoring game, and the offense looked pretty good as it has uh, the best that it's looked, I should say, all season as far as like a, a discrepancy standpoint. That first half was amazing. The ball movement was crisp. People were moving and cutting without the ball. Kyle Lowry wasn't throwing suicide lobs. And the hardest part is, too, they held Damian Lillard to under 20 points. And they still lost. And the one stat that I looked it up myself, and again, I'm going to try to cover my ass right now. I, I haven't seen this reported anywhere else, which is weird, which makes me feel like I don't have the stat right. But apparently Portland did not miss a shot in the final six and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. Anthony Simmons missed a three-pointer with six minutes and 34 seconds left in the fourth. And that was curtains. They didn't miss again. They missed free throws, but that was it. And th- that is a huge red flag. You can't go half a damn quarter letting a team not miss. So, Harry, let me toss it to you real quick. Are the Heat in trouble? Yeah, they're um, they're definitely in trouble. I think, you know, I think when we kind of look back at the game and I, I was on the uh, post-game uh, stream after and was looking at the stat sheet and was like, man, this is not a game you can lose. They had um, they had five guys with their 15-plus points, seven guys in double figures. Um you know, they had a pretty good first half. The ball was moving, and then it suddenly kind of wasn't. And at the end of the game, you look at the final and how they lost and everything else, and you're like, they scored under their average, which isn't even that good. They're averaging, I think, just under like 108 points a game this year, and they scored 107. So it was under their average. And they're just struggling in every facet of the game. You're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, they really got the offense going. Um, this is it. They were up by, what, 15 at one point, 12 kind of – going in at uh, different points in the game. Um, they had to win that game. You're at home. Um, you know, yes, Dame returned, but he's coming off the injury he suffered in the first game against the Heat and um, just wasn't one they could afford to lose. Obviously, the way they lost too, you know, Max hitting the big shot to tie the game and then um, losing to just losing Josh Hart in the corner. Um, that's a problem, and this team has a lot of issues that just aren't going to be resolved. And the point you mentioned about um, them not missing a shot. I, I don't remember that, but I totally believe you. And um, they have seemed to have better luck playing zone defense this year, and they just have to commit to that until they find other switchable wings in whatever trades they make because um, I have no idea what they're supposed to do with, with the team they're throwing out there. They just can't guard the other teams, and they, they can't switch the way they're switching. They, they just need to commit to the zone. They've done a decent job defending with the zone. Um, decent enough. They probably need to keep doing that um, until until they f- make some trades and figure out what the heck's going on. But they're they're in some trouble. I, I don't really see this turning around. I'm glad you touched on the trades. We'll get to that later on in the show for sure because something's off. But 
And the team does just feel naturally stale. And it's one of those things. It feels the same exact way it felt for me after uh, the 2013-14 season. They ran the team back right after the championship season in 06. They ran the same team back. It felt stale then. It feels stale now. And then after the bubble run, they ran the same team back, and it feels stale. I know there's advanced metrics and things of that nature, but first first things first, got to pass the eye test. And this team does not pass the eye test. It feels stale. Everything seems overdone, overworked. They have to outwork their opponents 10 times out of 10 to have a great advantage. The margin for error is incredibly small. So, George, I ask you, what's the panic meter at for you? It's it's pretty high. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty it's pretty high. When I um when you put all the pieces together from the season, you look at all the results, you look at all the uh, the shortcomings, the downfalls of this team, uh, the signs aren't good. And they don't seem to be getting better. I don't think any level of internal deliberation or development will be able to fix these problems. Uh, they they were doomed from the start, in my opinion. They they really were. So I'm um look, I'm I'm I know we didn't have hero for the game against Poland, but at the same time, you you can't lose. <laughs> you shouldn't sorry, let me rephrase. You should not be losing to Poland on your and you know in your hometown in front of your home fans and and it's it's disheartening as a fan of, of many 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 years now uh it's been you know a while since i've looked at a team in our roster and i say to myself we just don't have enough i don't see where we can look to um to rectify these problems you look at the portland game we went three deep off the bench there were times last season when we were using every single player uh off the bench during a regular season and it was working absolutely fine but i feel that running it back has really taken a mental toll as much as it has a, a, a toll you know on the on the team's um on the team's results and i i don't know where we go from here really like it, it's it's just disheartening because you look at the way we're defending it's we're defending poorly around you know all around the ball it's 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 just not looking not looking good I, I appreciate that you brought up, excuse me, <clears throat> the that they only went eight man deep. And Harry, I want to toss it right back to you because I know you have some choice words. You had it on the post game too about Spo is having a very, very short leash on this rotation. It is insane. And in November, you can't be having that November. What, what do you make of the short rotation in November? Were you guys asking me? Because sorry, I cut out for two seconds. Oh, no, I'm asking you. I know you uh, have some thoughts. Yeah, on yeah. I was just, you know, I, I kind of went on a rant after the game. I just don't really understand um, what their what their thought process is. Um, you know, I, I get that they have a lot of injuries. And, you know, at the moment, it's really a, you know, it's basically a 13-man roster because there's, there's no 15th man. And, um, you know, UD's not going to play many nights. But. Um, you know, and they got the two injuries. So it's basically 11, but I think all 11 guys should be in the game if they're, if they're active uh, and they're going to be active, obviously, because you have 13 active a game. So um, let them go out there, let them see what they can do. And I really have an issue with this heat team. I hate when people tell me they're contending and they're trying their hardest. If you're not going to, I get that they don't want to go into the tax because it's lucrative to stay out of the tax right now with how, with how high of a bill the warriors pay every year. So they do get some money back in that perspective, but 
Uh, you got to go out and sign a guy to a 10-day contract. If you have to sign a guy and you go you go over the tax, again, not to bore you guys, but the tax is something that's calculated at the very end of the season. They have up until the trade deadline to get below the tax again if they happen to go into it or go go over it. It just shouldn't be this thing that they're afraid of doing uh, or afraid of using. If you want to compete, if you want to be um, one of these top teams, you pay the tax or at least you go into the tax. I, um I think Alex from the basement, Alex Shelton, had said maybe six teams have uh, have not been in the tax that have won a championship. So a high majority of these teams that are winning championships are paying the tax. Um, if you don't want to pay it, that's your prerogative. But then don't tell me that we're competing or that we're trying doing everything in our power because you're lying and you're lying to yourself. And there's really no reason to do that. If, if you're going to put out an eight-man rotation on November 7th, you have issues. And – um, it's just, it's not necessary. These guys are going to get hurt playing this many minutes this early. It's, it's really not needed. Um, and get another body. I was also yelling like Kane's averaging 20 points a game in the G league and the few games he's been up there. What's the point of him being on the team? If they're going to re- if they're going to sign him, right. If they're going to end up signing him in February or March after the trade deadline, um, use up all the 50 games now because, that's what you have them for. He's available to, to suit up for 50 games and be active as a two-way player. You know, he's not eligible for the playoffs until he signs a, a, a regular season contract. So use him. I, I don't understand. He looked great in the preseason. Um, I don't really care if he struggles. I don't care if Jovic struggles because that's the only guys we have to really look forward to. I'm not interested in seeing Duncan Robinson, you know, shoot 0 for 8. Um not that interested in seeing Deadman go out there and look as old as can be. Um, I really want to see these guys go out there and, and try to, you know, get some of the youth out there and figure out if we have anything, because if we don't have anything, we can replace the two way contracts and we need to figure this out. Eight man rotation in November is insane. No one should say it's fine. It's, it isn't. And you know, whether that's Spoh's decision or, listen, maybe Spoh's just upset with the front office and that's his way of kind of saying, guys, you haven't given me enough. But they, but they have to figure that out because they can't keep doing that and it's going to lead to someone getting hurt and obviously a much worse situation for this 4-17. and 17. And it's also, it's crazy with having Kane, having a development player like that that you've seen give you good minutes, albeit in the preseason. You have Highsmith that's giving you zilch. Nada, zero. The man does nothing, and they can cut bait with him too, at, at no cost loss. So I, I don't understand why they're kind of twiddling their thumbs on that front. Uh, George, you wanted to get back in there. Yeah, I just wanted to really zone into the 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 mental aspect of the um of what the front office must be, must be thinking right now. And I feel like this they they pride themselves on not being a team to to panic, to panic in any sense of the word. Um, I feel like they they. They really do take pride in that. But how long do we sit here and do they sit there and say, you know what, this is, you know, gotten far enough and it's time to really, really make a move? Because, and, and I feel like it could also be stubbornness because when you look at the inactive players in the Portland game, Oladipo came in the G League, Tully was injured, um, Haslam was out, and Immediate Seven was out. And look, if we had an Oladipo and Hero for that game, Immediate Seven, do we win? Probably. Does that mean that this team still has enough when they're healthy? I still don't think that's that's even the case. And 
you're right when you, when you brought up um, Highsmith as well to not even take him off the bench as well it just shows that the lack of um, of confidence in him as as you know a player that should be giving you respectable minutes. You know, even Dwayne Demon got 15 minutes of the night, and we we believed that he was pretty much getting phased out of the um of the lineup altogether. So I just don't see what they're what they're waiting for at the moment. Uh, I feel like a 10 day contract from someone that can actually give you something off the bench is a um is a, is a good thing. But I look, I, I just got to see. I, I hope they're just trying not to wait and see more because they've they've seen enough at this point in time. They have to have, and um. I don't know. If you're not even bring Jovic off the bench as well, it's it's quite a um, uh, it's it's quite a sight to see that you're not even taking him off the bench to play him in 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 games like that. Harry, you had something to say? Yeah, the the Highsmith thing is really crazy because as you're saying, the the guarantee left on his deal is so low. I think they're paying him like essentially at seven hundred thousand guaranteed until um, some date in January when it becomes the full guarantee for the year. Um, I don't know where $700,000 is making a big difference in any deal that you end up doing. At this point, you really need the bodies that you trust to throw out there and play ball. Like you're better off just cutting bait. He's made money from you the last two seasons. Good for him. Good for his family, but he shouldn't be on the heat. Um, and just bring in someone. Uh, if you Obviously, if you can sign guys to, I think, I think you can do like three or four 10-day contracts. That's 30 to 40 days before you have to make a decision on them. Um, obviously the money you save on his contract could go right into that. They could probably sign two, um, 10 day guys, just, just anybody that you trust to come in, maybe a backup big, um, maybe a guy that could just be aggressive and shoot some threes and just some energy because the team looks tired. They look like they're, they don't want to be around each other and, you know, you don't want to read into body language or anything 11 games into the season, but you know, you, meant, you mentioned earlier, LJ, the other teams where it kind of feels like that. A lot of times when you run it back and it doesn't work, these guys are like, why did we run it back? You know, as the players, they're like, we, we were close, but we needed more, and, and you guys didn't provide, you know, anything. We didn't add anybody. And I just think that happens, especially in these games where you lose by a three-pointer at the buzzer or people are saying, oh, all these games are close. They could have they could have flipped. Like, they could have gone either way. Um I think that hurts the team more than it helps. I don't think that I don't think they're looking at it like, oh man, we're just we're struggling. We just need to get over the hump. I think they're like, have we stayed together too long? Has the core been here for too long? And I think it's more of a negative thing than a, than a, hey, we just need to power through. I agree one hundred percent. The team has significant issues, especially in the front court, and I, th- this is what scares me the most because there are blatant like red flag issues. That, that sound the alarms. And the worst thing, the, the most scary thing for me right now is their upcoming schedule. It's very easy. They sh- In their next five games, realistically, they should go four and one. But they've also lost to Sacramento already. They almost lost to Sacramento at home. They blew a 15-point second half lead to, Tor- or not Toronto, to, um, what do you call- to Portland at home. They nearly blew a 20-something point lead to Toronto back in the second game of the season. I don't want them getting lulled into a false sense of security if they start to string together a couple wins here because it's that's dangerous. That is very, very dangerous for them to think put, putting a Band-Aid over like an open wound. That You need stitches, man. A Band-Aid's not going to fix it. Um, the, what I touched on earlier, though, with the, the four being kind of the main issue for me, personally, I think a lot of people feel that same way too. Um, they, do you believe in Caleb Martin at the four? 
And if not, what do they even do at this point? George, you put your hand up. Let me go to you. What, what are we looking at at the four here? What's the solution? I feel like he was he was the best choice that we had internally for that job. Now, enough time's gone past when you can see that he's just not making the impact that we need in, in the starting unit. And there's no shame in that. I'm not saying he's a bad player. It's not saying there's not a role for him on this team. But the role was not at the four. Now, I hate to sound like a broken record, said it on pod after pod after pod, but when something as crucial as rebounding is not, is is mishandled and we can lose games solely on the fact that we're getting out-rebounded, you leave the margin of error for yourself to be so thin that, that you know, everything else has to be perfect. We saw it in the first game against Portland where we played a literal perfect game and we, we, we walked out there with a the win comfortably and it was great, but we played the the utmost perfect game. But Caleb Bud, since since then, is just not giving us what we need at that position. And you need somebody who can get yourself rebounds, who can stretch the floor. He's not really any of those things. I know he had worked on his shot in the offseason. It's, it's not looking terrible. It's just not looking great. And if you can't space, you're not getting rebounds. And, you know, you're... you're He's just not giving enough to the starting unit, and he sh- and he should probably go back to the bench, um, and and back up Jimmy. If that's that's his most natural position. But look, I know, I know players. Are, you know, it's it's easier said on paper to to really bring in a four that's going to help all these problems as well. You have to give assets to get, to get assets at the end of the day. So, look, I hope there's some positioning going around saying that you know what, there are players out there who can make a difference to this team. Um, the names that we've already outlined, but we'll get to later in the show as well. But the um, the fact of the matter is, it's it's not worked out for Caleb. It's not the worst thing in the world for him, but putting him in that position is just, just taking away from what he actually can do. My thing right here, I'm going to go on my soapbox real quick, that Caleb's given the modest minutes. He really has. He's been their best defensive-rated player on the floor, at least as of a couple days ago when I saw the stat. He, but there's no doubt that he's physically limited in that role and what he can actually provide for you. And that's honestly the one of the biggest, if not the biggest reason that Miami struggled in the early goings of their constant switching. And I'm not going to get into all that. I know we talked about that on a previous pod, but that still rings true that that is a huge issue. He's not big enough to defend actual power forwards and centers that he gets switched onto consistently. But he's he like George said too, he's a lot better as a two or a three. And you saw that in the Portland game. He had that dunk. He was driving out of the corners. I mean, yeah, he had an issue with his toes on the line twice in a row. You'd like to see on that one in the corner, he looked down, saw his feet, thought they were good, shot it. It was still a two. It was like, Caleb, you got to be a little smarter than that, man. But you saw it in the Portland game that he was more aggressive and it worked better because admittedly, Portland is a smaller team. So Caleb was doing similar things that he did last year, hence the success. But regardless, an upgrade is still going to be needed at that position because you're talking about if you're serious about contending, you make a move to fix the four. If you're not, because this draft is, in my opinion, a generational type draft. It has the potential to be that anyway. Punt. Don't be afraid. Just punt. But the Heat are not known for doing that. They're not going to do that. They're going to make a move eventually. And this is what really gets me the most. You got a real good audition from both these players the other night against Indiana. You have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner right there. Right there. That literally fixes two of your biggest glaring problems. Bench scoring, or you can put Buddy in the starting lineup too and put Max back to the bench. It, right there, it fixes it. Miles Turner's going to grab boards. 
He had 37 the other night. Like, that's good. It, it, that's if every single shot is falling from Miles Turner, he'll give you 37. His shots are not going to fall all the time. But still, it's more about the body, and he's switchable, and he's more nimble. He's more athletic. It just works better. Harry, I, I want to get your opinion now on the force situation. What what solution can we realistically look at here? Um, yeah, I think you guys pretty much nailed it. There's nothing wrong with Caleb the player or you know Caleb off the bench. It's just Caleb as a starting four is not it. Um, the interesting thing about the rebounding is I don't, I think the stats support, it's not so much on the defensive end. It's that they can't, they can't get offensive boards at all. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, um, they're so slow getting back in transition. They'd rather, they'd rather get back on defense than attack their glass. So this was a team I, I'm pulling up the stats just right out of the air. I believe they were second in the league last year in offensive rebounding. If I'm wrong, please don't, but it's, they were very, very high in the league. At, at crashing the offensive glass, and they, they're not doing that this year. Um, and that's kind of the issue with this squad that we, we you know, we, we'd say they're small, they're skinny. Like, that's the problem with roster construction because it affects the play on the court. We're not just saying that because we want a trade to happen. It's because we're seeing the effects of not building the roster properly or correctly. Um, and so what are the answers? I mean, you got to go out and get a four, and I don't know what that's going to cost you like you guys are talking about. And if you are picked to get the four, which you probably, um, I think you need to give up a later pick. I talked about this uh, earlier and I've been tweeting about it. They need to hedge their bet on this 2023 pick. If they make a move and someone gets hurt or something goes wrong, they need to keep that pick because I don't know how anyone's going to tell me that being a, a first or second round team is better than adding a BAM or a hero to the team. I mean, I think that's stupid. Like this team needs young talent. They, if they have the chance to add a lottery pick because the season doesn't go that well, they need to embrace that, um, and they're better off keeping the pick. If, if they end up doing great and I'm wrong, then trade the pick at the draft or something. But I think they need to keep it for now and, and look at moving other picks, guys that are might be available for them. We've talked about it before. It has to be it has to be someone who's good now and in the future. So maybe um, a Mo Bamba who would have another year in his deal, and obviously you'd have his bird rights. Uh, uh, PJ Washington. Um, Aruri, Aruri Hachimura um, on Washington. Like these are the kind of guys you need to look at and guys they've been linked to before, uh, which is always something to think about with the Heat. They usually uh, circle as they've talked to or talked about in the past. That's going to help them. Um, if they don't do that and they're going to sit here all year and say, no, we um, we like uh, we like Caleb and we're pretty comfortable with him as the four, uh, it's no offense to Caleb, but they're going to lose a lot of games. He's just not good enough to defend the bigger guys in the league. Most of the league has sized up. If you if you see the guys that are coming in the league now, they are bigger guys that can dribble and do a lot of stuff. Um, and the Heat just don't really have a lot of advantages. And as George mentioned earlier, um, the margin of error is tiny. You know, the Heat played a good game against Portland. They, sh they shot pretty well, and it didn't matter. They lost anyway because Portland got hot at the end of the game, and that was it. And they, you know, they blew a big lead, and that's going to keep happening. So, you know, we could say they need to survive until December fifteenth. You know, when a lot of guys become trade eligible, or the fifteenth when Deadman and Depot become trade eligible. But um, I just think we're going to keep talking about how how much in trouble how in trouble they are until they really change something or bring in someone on a ten day or just do something to show that they care about winning now. Because I don't, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I just wanted to put into 
my own point on that as well. When you look at the overall picture and you look at all, you know, everything we've been saying so far, um, it really circles back to the same sort of topic as well. Does this front office have enough belief in this team to take them all the way? And that's what the goal is at the end of the day. It's a championship. It's either, it's either getting yourself a championship or positioning yourself to, to, to get a championship in the shortest amount of time. That is your goal. Now, that pick coming up this year could be extremely valuable for us. You know, if if the trend continues and and they think that they don't have enough, there's different avenues they can take as well. Trading the pick's one of them. Trading the pick is one of them earlier on in the season and 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 betting, you know, putting um, you know, enough stock into that and, and really trying to get the ma- the max that you can get for a pick that early in the season. But it also circles back to as well. What are they going to add for that pick as well? Because they had an opportunity to fill the roles that they, you know, that they would believe that they become shortcomings, you know, in shooting bench, bench um, shooting, uh, a fresh face on the team, a, a real power forward. You look at players like Christian Wood, who got signed for basically nothing, traded for nothing. Jeremy Grant got signed. PJ Washington was a trade target for us, and he's he's doing fantastic right now. KJ Martin was was looking, you know, he's looking more and more valuable as the day gets on, you know, it's, it's become a, uh, you know, a wait and see opportunity that we've squandered at that point. Now, would I be willing to give up a pick for any of those people? Probably not. The pick at this point in time might be too valuable for, for us as a team, not to another team, but for us having a pick like that even guarantees us if we do have a bad season, just say we missed the play in playoffs. God forbid. By the way, God forbid, I don't want that to happen. But if it was to come to that, that pick becomes insanely valuable. So it's really about what the front office wants to do and where they position themselves. Because you either go all in, you trade the picks, you try and get a Buddy Hield and Miles Turner package together, trade both your first round picks, plus your seven, plus Nikola Jovic. You know, you, you cash in to get this team over the line with what you think of that. Would, would Buddy Hield and Miles Turner fix a lot of the problems? Yes, they would. Would it push you to a championship? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm, I'm leaning towards no. But to add those two talents would be huge. Huge. And you're going to look across the league as well. Teams that might be um, buying, selling. You know, you, it's situational. It comes down to when you make the trade. But also, if they don't believe in that and they want to play the long-term game, when do you look at trading one of the bigger pieces as well? And yes, I mean Jimmy. And that's a conversation we may have to have soon. If the window's closed and Jimmy's still on the roster and we and his his trade value is diminishing, is diminishing, then when do you actually say enough's enough and you move him? That's what we have to wait and see. I that's, that's a conversation that I don't want to have, and I know a lot of Heat fans don't want to have either. But it that's it's realism. Like that's we're staring down the barrel of that, depending on how this season goes. But I do think you're right that that first round pick is invaluable. Like it, that, the weight that that thing can hold, if you want to buy, be able to package that into a, a Miles Turner, Buddy Hill, if you think that gives this team the breath of fresh air that it needs, people forget they started out hot out the gates, Jimmy's first year here, like really hot. They were number one in the East. People were actually, they were, it was notoriety. Like they had a, a certain amount of cachet about them during that first year. But then they fizzled out a little bit before COVID. But then they made that trade for Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala. It injected life and experience into the team, as well as just straight up talent. And that I'm I'm thinking this team is very different from that team. 
because uh, a, a segue that I'm about to get into if you wait for it. But that, that team was constructed differently, but I, I still think the means of injection of new life into a team goes way more. Like it just goes so much more longer of a way than can you can really uh, make in your mind it, more than you can make it really work. Like you don't think it's going to work as well as it does, but then again, you've seen it work in the past. We're just adding a couple new guys completely changes the trajectory of a team. But that team, as I was going to use the segue now, that team was very different because they had a big playing with Bam that could space the floor. I know we don't like to say his name very often, but Miles Turner, they started hot out the gate because Miles was shooting pretty good and it worked well next to Bam. And then you also saw a little bit of Kelly Olenek doing the same kind of thing. So I wanted, I want to give a follow-up to both of you here. I'll give it to you first, George. On the basis of the four solution, should the Heat target a real four or should they move Bam to the four and get a center? Which one do you think is probably more a little more serendipitous to this team? I'm I'm more of the belief of less change is is better, and to push the Bam to a four mid season and to get a real five, I, I feel like it's just it's a system change that I don't feel like the Heat are going to be willing to do. Um, will it work? Probably. I don't know. I, I feel. I feel like if he spaced the four a little bit better, you'd have less. I don't have less reservations about putting him at the four position um, over someone else who can. I don't feel like there's a four, a, a five out there that will complement him perfectly. Um, that's gettable. And like, look, the ideal situation is like a cat type of player where you can do a bit of everything. You can also shoot. That's never going to happen. Cat's never going to come yet. <laughs> the the the, the Timberwolves might be in a worse position than we are right now but that's a different story for another day. Uh, look, I believe Bam is a fantastic five, and I feel like he's been a top three, four center for the last few years, and he gets wildly disrespected, but that's also another story. A, a four is more achievable for this team, um, depending on what they, what they want to do. Also, I want to correct myself. Yeah, my mistake. I, I met Miles, Miles, Myers Leonard, not Miles Turner. I, my, I had miles on the brain so <laughs> from the previous segment. So, Harry, what about you? What, what do you feel is more beneficial to this team? Would it be moving Bam to the four and getting a five or just continuing to stay true to trying to get a real four to play next to Bam? Um, yeah, I don't think it matters much where he plays, uh, whether the four or the five. It's more about who's playing next to him. So, you know, I've talked about for years, and obviously it's never going to happen now because he's doing very well uh, up in Milwaukee. But a guy like Brooke Lopez is kind of the perfect guy you'd want to put next to Bam. Um, someone that can really um, is good at at defending another rim protector just to give Bam a little bit of backup there and a guy that can shoot from the outside. That's kind of like the ideal um, guy you're looking for. I think that he were kind of hoping that Yurt could be a very, very, very light, 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 light version of what what Brooke Lopez could do. Um, but obviously just with the injuries and, and his he's just very slow-footed on defense, um, he hasn't really shown – um, anything like that. So just somebody that can shoot because you need to open, you need to open the floor for Jimmy and Bam, um, and you need a switchable, at the very least, a switchable wing, a guy that can can guard centers if need be, but also guard down if they're gonna keep doing this uh, very switching defense. So that's what you need. I don't care. To be honest with you, I don't care where Bam plays. I don't know where he's more effective. I know that I know that the guys they put next to him are not helping his game. And they're not maximizing him. So I don't care if it's four or five. Um, if if you really want to make a move to compete, to bring in a guy that can play next to Bam, one. And two is a good backup when Bam sits because the heat fall apart when he sits down. So 
bring a guy who can help him rebound, um, provides uh, a good uh, a good rim presence on defense, and a guy that can shoot. So whoever they bring in has to be able to do that. So you know people are, yeah. I mean people mention and they they don't always like Miles Turner, but you know for one year to see what he does, Miles Turner is a guy that can do that. Um, PJ Washington's a guy that can do that. Um, there are there are some guys out there if we um, you know if we just kind of op- open ourselves up and think about it, like they work. And again, it's going to be about. The Heat don't have that many picks available. So if they want to hold on to the 2023, they have to go further into the future and they have to hope that dangling a late 2020 pick, so 2029 or something, um, entices a team saying, man, if they're bad with Jimmy, maybe they'll be bad in five years. They made that mistake before. You guys remember how much we got made fun of for the second pick in the Goron trade and how that was going to be the most valuable pick of all time. Um, It turned into... I forgot his name. He's just like a very okay player on OKC right now. Um, so, you know, it ended up being maybe the, the 18th pick, 20th pick. So it wasn't the most valuable pick of all time. Um, but there are guys out there that, that they can get to help them, and that's what they need. I don't care where Bam plays. Bring in a guy that maximizes Bam because this is year six for him. I don't think we've ever maximized him. Even when Myers Leonard was here, um, it definitely helped. I agree with you. But even by the end of the bubble when Bam was really dominating, uh, Myers was not playing that many minutes. They, they just need a guy that maximizes his game and makes him the best player that he is because he's great and we need to really take advantage of his skill set. Speaking of shaking up the rotation a little bit, I want to ask you guys, just having a look in the mirror here, I know how Royal A. Shepard feels about this topic, but I want to get your guys' take on it. Should Miami try moving Hero? to the bench unit again. And I ask this because all of his success last year came in that same exact role. And we've honestly seen Russell Westbrook have kind of a, a little bit of rejuvenation in that same exact kind of role for Los Angeles. It's been about the only good thing that the Lakers have done this year, which is asinine that you would think Russell Westbrook would be the one positive, but alas, that's where they're at. So I guess it could be worse from our perspective, but I think moving Tyler to the bench would just give this team a shot of juice that it really needs as well. If you're not going to make a move, I feel like that's an internal move that could kind of yield similar results. Um, It's, it just makes sense to add some quality insurance to the bench. And uh, speaking of quality insurance, primary sponsor of the basement is simple health advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Miami should know that email them or give them the call today and they'll tell them the basement sent you email our boy, J Poe at simplehealthadvisors.com, or you can give them a little call at 321-345-7738. Little quick uh, plug for you guys there, but back to the topic at hand. I, I, I do think it, they should consider it, though, if the team continues to lose types of games, i.e. to the Bulls, to the Pacers, to the Kings. If you keep losing the teams that you should beat, because I, I was on board with you, Harry, too. I didn't think the Bulls were going to be very, very good this year. And they've been better than I assumed, but that's not saying much. I just think it's worth having a healthy little conversation. That's all. So what do you, what do you guys think about moving Tyler to the bench? Harry, let's start with you. Um, I, I don't really like it because I feel like it means that everything, everything that you've been building up to this off season um, has failed. And so I know that it has in terms of thinking this team could um, could be fine, but I, I feel like it's just, it's kind of an indictment on the team admitting that they've made a lot of mistakes and I don't think they're ready to do that. So essentially, right. Um, 
no one, no one on the Heat thought of Tyler as just a six man. They basically needed him there, and he did that for three seasons, ending in his six man of the year. And he was uh, excellent last year off the bench in the regular season. Um, and I think everyone was fine with him starting this year. Hero wanted to start. The team probably needed the boost into the starting lineup. And there's other factors at play. Obviously, they were probably expecting more of a boost from Depot off the bench. Um, probably not. The, they probably weren't expecting the inconsistency from Struess and Duncan and the other shooters and everything like that. So um, there's a reason why Miami's struggling off the bench. I don't think moving Hero back to that spot helps them now or in the long term. They just committed quite a bit to Hero with this extension. They kind of need to show that he's a guy that can – uh, score a lot, score efficiently, uh, efficiently, and help the team win. And I think they need to figure it out. Um, I really do think the issue is that they took two guys who were great off the bench, Hero and Caleb, and now they're both in the starting lineup without anybody um, filling in for them and filling in that role. I think that's the problem. Like They don't have the microwave score off the bench like Hero. They don't have the guy that can come in for Jimmy and defend anybody. Um, you know, The big part about Caleb was just the energy he brought off the bench. So... That's where I'm at. I, I don't think you do anything by bringing him off the bench. Um, if Hero is a if Hero is a better bench player than a starter, then we have to have the discussion about who he's getting traded for next year. Because I just think like we can't we can't be doing that. Um, if you're going to admit that he's a six man, which is fine, like if you end up getting a great six man with in a lottery pick, that's awesome. But we've now extended him. Um, we're paying him a ton of money. If we're admitting that it's not working as a starter or whatever reason, if he, he's not doing as well with Kyle or the ball moves better when he doesn't play or he's not out there, those are things they have to figure out and they have to work out. I'm not ready to move him to the bench. And I think doing that is a, a big indictment on the team and the way they've built and what they've done. And I, I don't think they're there yet. I think they want to try to figure this out. George, what's your stance on that? moving Tyler to the bench, you think that would be beneficial or do you more so side with Harry that that would kind of be shooting yourself in the foot? Uh, I don't, I don't like to sound like a, a fanboy, but Harry could not have said it better than I, than I ever could in a million years. You could let me write it down a piece of paper and I still couldn't say any better. The problems don't, the problem with this team doesn't extend that far to Tyler. In my opinion, I feel like he is, a starter. He deserves the spot. Amazing campaign last year. Um, and their plan was to bring him off the bench for one year to really spark some confidence in him and to, to really um, initiate that offense, offensive punch. But Harry's right when they said that what they, the problem with that is you've replaced him with nobody. It was supposed to be Depot, and that's just never worked out. And Caleb Martin's gone to the starting lineup without a backup either. So, look, I like I said, I'm not a fan of bringing him off the bench. I don't feel like that's going to fix anything. Definitely not in the short term. So definitely not anything in the long term. In the short term, maybe, you know, on on paper would make us look better, just having that punch off the bench. But at the same time, you're also destroying the morale of the player at that point. Like Tyler here has been paid all this money, expects to be, expects to be uh, starting. Um, who knows what that will do to him? Honestly, like if I just got paid all this money to come off the bench at that time, I'd, I'd be asking questions of management of the front office, um, their intentions, everything. And also it, it it does make us appear incompetent to a sense to the rest of the league, saying that, you know, this this is an asset that we had. We extended him 
And now we're pushing him back to the bench, like Harry said as well. Um, it doesn't work well, and I don't think that's the move moving forward. So I, I agree too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more wishy-washy in the center of it too. It's like I've seen him have more success off the bench, but I also agree that's kind of, like I said earlier, shooting yourself in the foot as far as his, his confidence too. But it, there's no denying the ball moves better when he's not there. But And I don't know if that's because they've tried to – Spo and, and, and company have ingrained that into him, that he needs to be the shot taker, the shot maker. I don't know if that's what they're kind of feeding into him and why he thinks that he has to take these shots instead of Kyle trying to make worth his contract or Jimmy being a little more aggressive or God knows Bam taking shots. I, I, I don't know whether or not that's kind of the avenue that they're, that they're looking for. And maybe that's kind of a reason within the cards of the own organization. But I mean, time's obviously going to tell because I don't think Tyler is going to continue to be a ball stopper. I feel like they're going to eventually change something up, but George, did you have a question you wanted to ask us? Oh, I, I misunderstood in the, in the, uh, the chat. No, it's a, I was just more time just asking more of a private question as well. Just, just wanted to get a, an insight, but it's actually good for the show. Um, I just wanted a straight out answer. Um, in your guys' opinion, do you believe that this team can redeem themselves by adding players, um, you know, by giving up, younger assets like your Nikolajovic, like your media at seven, regardless of the fact that he moves like a chess piece. Um, he still does have some value to him and, and the giving up the picks as well. Do you believe that it's, it's a smart move to invest in our future or to invest in today? Do you feel like this, this team can be redeemed into a championship contender? I, God, it's a complicated question. I know you want the straight answer. Like, Yes, there are moves to be. There are possible moves to be made that could probably turn them into a contender. No, I don't think Miami has the assets to get that done. And because of that, I'd rather hold on to the 2023 pick, let this season play out as bad as it might be, sell off the assets we can, and figure out how to rebuild in a year. Uh, I mentioned before, I would do that Lowry and trade if they're willing to trade Westbrook. I hate Russell Westbrook. He is probably my most hated player in basketball. I know he's doing better off the bench and all that stuff. I don't care. Um, I would have done that trade simply to clear up the books next year and figure out what's going on going forward. I do not think there's a move. Listen, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong many times. Maybe there's a move out there um, that really changes the tide and they can pull off a huge trade. Riley's done it before. I, I just, I'm not seeing it, George. And because I'm not seeing it, I'd rather be prudent and smart and look for the future. If that means eventually selling Jimmy, um, if that's something that he wants, I'm doing that too. I would tear it all down. Um, I'm okay starting over if it means that we don't have to sit here for another three years worrying about why we continued on with this core. And that's and that ties into the hero thing too. If they want to bring hero off the bench and they think that's better for the team now, fine. But then I think you have to admit that you made a mistake extending him. Either figure out how to move him this year with the poison pill, which is uber complicated. You probably need a, probably need four or five teams to get something like that done or just move him right after the, the year resets and get a guy you really trust to start next to start next to Jimmy and Bam because if they're going to put him on the bench, they're basically saying three things. We built this team really poorly where we have no bench production. Hero as a starter is not working the way we thought it was going to work, and um, we don't believe he can get to the level that we want him to get to this year, which was the big – which is why people wanted to trade Hero. They, they didn't have a problem with his game. They didn't think that he could become the guy they needed to compete this year. And so we're starting to look right in that aspect. So 
I'm ready to tear it down when, you know, get, if they can turn it around and they make they win in the, you know, get to the playoffs and win in the first round or losing the first or losing the second, that means nothing long-term. It's just another, to me, it would be another disappointing season, especially with the way that Jimmy plays in the postseason. So I would play the long game, sell off whomever they don't want to keep next year. So trade Yurt for whatever you can get. Um, clear up the salary if you can between Kyle and Duncan and, you know, figure that out. If you want to use a first round pick, it better be for a guy that's the future. Uh, and they just haven't done that. That's kind of where I, where I, where I am right now. My biggest fear just comes from being a basketball purgatory because you're too good to get a lottery pick. You're not good enough to actually compete. I think that's where they're at right now currently, but a move could definitely put them in the contention point, but I, I don't want to have a caveat. I don't want to wimp out of an answer. I'll give you a straight up answer. I think they need to do a soft rebuild. That's what I think. And that doesn't mean get rid of Jimmy. That doesn't mean get rid of Bam or Tyler or anything. It just means sell on your assets that you currently have, whether that be a Caleb Martin, whether that be an Omer Yurtsevin. I, I want them to hold on to that pick the for the 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 first round pick they actually own because they actually have one for once whether that be selling on gabe vincent i think i think gabe would get you a really really good return this year closer to the deadline just because defensive-minded bulldog guards are hard to find and that's exactly what gabe is he would do amazing on a on a legit championship contender um or even if they extend max truce they extend max truce but get any of these guys, you got to sell on a little bit to kind of get some assets back to allow for a soft rebuild. Cause that's kind of, you, know, you take a year. What I mean, soft rebuild for those who don't know, it's like, it's, you're not punting on the next five years. You're not pulling an OKC. You're not pulling what the youth touch has attempted to pull. You're just basically softly resetting yourself for the next one year to two years. And then you're right back at it. I think that's the most realistic thing because Jimmy not logging an hour of playoff minutes on his body every single game in the playoffs for a year isn't the worst thing in the world. You might get an extra year out of him from doing that. And to me personally, I think that's, that's one of the biggest caveats for that. Um, moving on now to the final segment of the show. Let's have a little bit of fun. There's been a lot of discourse, a lot of discussion on Twitter the last couple of days of people having the discussion of is LeBron the goat. And to me, the answer is an overwhelming. Yes, he is the greatest of all time. And it's not even close. Uh, so what I want to ask you guys, is he the greatest liar of all time? Because that's what I'm talking about. I don't know if you guys are talking about basketball. I think LeBron James is the greatest liar of our generation. No one competes with this man any single time. You need someone to, to just spew some bullshit at you. LBJ is the dude. And for me, my personal favorite LeBron lie, it's a tie uh, between uh, the, the obvious, put yourself in situations where you're not comfortable. And the LeBron goes, well, that's not, that's my favorite sign. I say that all the time. No, you don't. Stop it. It's, it's so funny the way that he wanted to like appeal in that conversation and just start lying. Like, yeah, man, I wake up every morning and I say, time to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. And then the other one, which is honestly, I say tie. That 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 one was my second favorite. I think my my absolute favorite LeBron James lie ever is when LeBron said he loved the Godfather trilogy and had watched it six times. <laughs> And then during a, a post-game presser, or it was like after practice or something, I don't know, one of the reporters asked him what his favorite quote was, to which LeBron then responded, oh, there, there's just too many, too many different phrases to pick just one. 
Then the reporter pressed him back, kept edging him, and he was like, hey, no, no, no. Yeah, but like, if you had to pick one, if you had to pick one quote, what would be your favorite quote? And then LeBron retorted with, well, each movie's nine hours long, so what do you want me to do? We want you to watch the movie and tell us what your favorite quote is. So I, I'm going to toss it to you guys. Either one of you can take it and spin it however you want. What's your favorite LeBron James lie? For me, it's it's it's, it's become actually quite a a funny view as well because it's, there's been so many. There's been so many situations which he's just said stuff or done stuff and, 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 and sticks by it until he gets asked a question about it. And then he just falls apart completely. And my favorite one's the book. And if you don't know about the book, he was apparently reading this book for for weeks on end. Um, he was carrying it into every pregame, uh, into the tunnel, was reading it. And the book did not move a page. In that entire time, you're telling me that you did not read more than two pages of the book in a week and a bit. And and he had said, in the, so there was a, a post-game press conference when, he was holding the book again in the same spot he was holding it two weeks before then. And a reporter had asked him, uh, what's his favorite part of the book? What's his, what's his favorite takeaway uh, of the book? And he proceeds to say he just started it yesterday or two days ago, even though he had been holding it for two weeks, reading it apparently, and then proceeded to blabble on for 25 seconds saying that um, he had uh, taken notes about the book and and he's only started to read it at that point. And that and at that point, what, why keep lying? Just say you 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 didn't read the book. There's just no there's no shame in saying you didn't read the book. You know, there's only a, a 10 second walk from the tunnel to the, the, the locker room and you can't you can stop reading. It's it's fine. You just have to have to keep going with the lie. He is a pathological liar, and it is so much fun to watch him dig the hole. And I, I think he just does it for fun. Like, I don't think – I think he's doing it for his own entertainment half the time. I think the Malcolm X book is different, though. I think he was – he wanted to look like he was, like, showing out or whatever, or like uh, showing a different side of him. And then he actually got questioned about his – oh, uh, Malcolm X. I don't know. He's an influential guy. He's like, yeah, but what, 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 what did he do that you love the most about him? He's like, I don't know. Harry, what about you? What's your what's your favorite LeBron LeCap lie? Uh, I like yours. I like both your guys. Taking a kind of a different take on it, um, I think the lie that that he was very very upset that the Heat uh, and the seed Mike Miller is my favorite LeBron James lie because if you guys remember, he was very upset about that. He ended up leaving the Heat. Um, I think it was the year after that. So he was you know he was just he talked about it so much how he was so upset about that and how they. They got rid of Mike Miller. So Miller joins the Cavs his first year in Cleveland or his first return year in Cleveland. And they moved Mike Miller to Portland so quickly that season. Like that guy was gone so fast. He, they, he just shit his best friend, you know, his best friend, Mike Miller was probably the one who broke the news of LeBron leaving. He had that Jersey in the corner. If you guys remember that BS that was going on then, um, he got rid of Mike so fast. Uh, just insane to me. So, that whole point of I hate when people talk about that and they talk about Mike uh, and then seeing Mike Miller. And that was the beginning of the end, man. LeBron was only here for four years. Regardless, he was always leaving. He, you know, you remember he had talked to, he had been flirting with Cleveland um, two years into his time here in Miami. Um, fuck that guy. I, I just an absolute shithead and a pathological liar. I think he's a, I think he's a great, uh, a great guy off the court for what he does. But in terms of, 
the basketball and he's a great player but in terms of his like on-court basketball personality and this stuff just obnoxious i hate it um so that i always remember that because i remember they were saying oh man i remember my dad was like oh we shouldn't have emceed mike miller so he got rid of mike the moment he could he didn't even think about it. he shipped him off to portland it's just is really it is crazy how often he lies just I, and i think it's just he's trying to fit in he wants to be you know, he wants to be one of the guys. He wants people to think he's well-read and well-educated, and we don't care, man. We don't care if you read the book or not. We don't care, um, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you – all this stuff. We we just, we don't care. We don't. Hair – or not hair. I'm sorry. George, you, you have one more you want to share, another uh, amazing story with us? I can't believe we didn't talk about this one. It's the single most famous lie. Not one – not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. I'm not talking about the amount of finals you've lost, LeBron. I'm talking about the rings that you promised Miami. You absolute liar. You won't even here long enough to achieve these uh, these mystical rings that you said that you were going to bring us. You threw in 2011. You brought us to, you know, you you played a crucial part in the, the, the back-to-back, and then you left us as fast as you came. And it makes me sick. I am tired of talking about LeBron. The glory days are over. He now struggles on a team he built, by the way, with no shooters where your second best player overall on the season is is Lonnie Walker. So and I'm not talking about Anthony Davis either. That guy can spend three minutes on the floor and then sit the rest of it out. But, uh, but yeah, no more LeBron. Uh, that's absolutely a generational conversational Euro stepping by the goat. So, and before we close, I just wanted to give an honorable mention to one of my other favorite ones. It's not really a lie so much as it, but it's, it's when LeBron thought that he created taco Tuesday and tried to copyright it. That one, people forget about that one. That one's a really good one. He was getting mad that other people were trying to tell him that he can't copyright taco Tuesday. Uh, another, another, do you remember the one where he came to the press conference after they lost the series with the cast on his arm? And then you never saw that cast again. He went on vacation after and just the cast disappeared. So they, yeah, they asked him, they said, they said, what's wrong? My arm, my hand's basically broken. It's like, no, 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 no. Is it or isn't it? Why is it basically broken? I went to the doctor the other day and they said, you basically have cancer. It's like, no, no, no. You either have it or you don't. There's no tight roping going on here, but it's it's truly remarkable because as a basketball player, it, he's an incredible player, but he has truly created just as many highlights off the court as he has on it. And that, that is my goat. That is my greatest liar of all time. I, I wish one day I could be as good as a liar, a pathological, insane, sociopathical liar as LeBron James. And with that, it might be a little hypocritical, but uh, I say thank you guys for tuning in, spending some time with your favorite random scrubs. Take care and be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.